The only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones who are benefiting from you having none. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome back to Seasons in Stewardship, the podcast where we bring hope, healing, and direction as you navigate the different seasons of life. I'm your favorite podcast host, Dr. Blinda Rose Young. Okay, fam. Last week, we started our conversation on boundaries. So just to quickly recap, boundaries are limits or restrictions that help keep order and peace. They also set expectations. So for those that weren't able to listen to episode one last week, I gave a really quick example of when you were in high school. When you went in to take a chemistry exam, you expected to see chemistry questions, right? <laughs> like not trigonometry or any other topic. Why? Because you expected there to be boundaries or parameters around what could be asked. So in part one, we talked about the first three key areas that we all need boundaries in, and that's time, food, and money. So again, if you haven't listened to that episode and need some guidance in those areas, I would highly recommend that you listen. So this week in part two, we're going to talk about my two favorite areas. That's your mind and your relationships. And at the end, I'll respond to your listener questions. It's going to be so good. All right, fam, let's start off by talking about some of the unique factors that affect our minds and relationships. This is going to be deep, so just prepare yourself because we don't joke around here, okay? <laughs> so let's get ready. The first unique factor is rejection. Experiencing rejection has caused more harm to people's minds and relationships than almost anything else in life. Now, I'm not talking about being denied for a job or not getting something you want, although those things can be disappointing, of course, and even sting a little. What I'm talking about are deep, deep wounds caused by relationships that affected the way you view yourself and view others. So maybe your father or mother abandoned you physically, or maybe they were in the house, but they constantly ignored you, so they abandoned you emotionally. Maybe one of your parents always wanted a little girl, but they got you a boy and they were disappointed and you felt rejected. Maybe they only, your parents only wanted one child, but here you come along and they feel a financial strain and you were always reminded about that. Maybe your parents had you before marriage and your presence caused a level of shame for one or both of them. And so they rejected you. They brought you into the world, but they rejected you. Maybe the rejection wasn't from your parents, but from an intimate relationship where they have neglected you. Maybe they put you down verbally or withheld love or otherwise unreliable as a support system when you're going through different issues in life. When you go through emotional trauma caused by rejection, you may start to reject both yourself and others. And I'll give you some examples in a moment about what that might look like, but let me start off by saying that for those who have experienced deep rejection but had a stable childhood tend to actually fare better. Of course, there's exceptions to the rules, right, around that, but experiencing rejection as a child seems to have more intense ramifications. Think about it, fam. As a child, you're forming your identity. Your brain is developing rapidly, and you're coming to understand how the world works and how much to expect of others. If you experience deep rejection as a child from a parent or a caregiver, I can with a level of certainty say that it affected your mind and your relationships. 
and that the person who rejected you likely also faced rejection as a child. Do you see how wicked this thing is? It's generational rejection, which is why I hate rejection with a passion. So rejection can manifest in a lot of ways, and we'll talk about several of them. But first, let me say, when you've been rejected, you tend to fear future rejection. A fear of rejection can lead you to be the consummate people pleaser, like I'm doing anything and everything to get this person to like me. Or it can cause you to push people away. Or you'll allow people to come only so close because you're afraid that one day they will reject you. When you operate like this, it becomes easy to let people go. Like you friend hop or partner hop, whether it's a dating partner or spouse. It becomes easy to put up guards and mentally shrug off relationship or to push away relationships, like do different things to get them to reject you and leave you because you anticipate rejection. When you walk in rejection, you can withhold love. <laughs> Like if someone intentionally withholds saying, I love you to their spouse, or I love you to their kids, or showing affection towards those people that are around them. Those who have experienced rejection can seem to others to be moody sometimes. Like the world is rarely pleasant to them. Something's always wrong. They may even consist consistently talk about what other people are doing to them or have done to them. Y'all remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Like he was sullen almost all the time. And I remember Eeyore said one time, don't blame me if it rains. Like Eeyore, boo, nobody's going to blame you if it rains. You're a donkey. Like why would people blame you? But you know what? I cannot fault Eeyore because I'm sure that he was used to getting blame. Maybe he got a lot of silent treatments or hard words thrown at him. Or maybe, maybe people abandoned him for things that weren't even his fault. When you have been through deep rejection, you may rehearse in your mind past dramatic things that have been said to you. It's like you want love, but you're also afraid of receiving love, right? Because it might go away one day. So you might rehearse to yourself um, that you don't belong, that you feel inferior. You might constantly think about um, other people not liking you or the opposite, that you don't need people. Now you can understand why I hate rejection. And I hate to say this, but for the folks that look like me, those of you that are listening, it really does tend to show up in our community quite a bit. And I honestly believe that some of it comes from slavery. You can look and, and see that there would have been a lot of rejection there. So what do we do about now? Well, I always teach discipline and healing. Discipline is what we're talking about today, right? Setting boundaries, mental guards, um, about how we you know, talk to ourselves and talk to others. And I will tell you from personal experience and getting over rejection, that true lasting freedom only comes when we allow Jesus to heal our wounds. I'm not going to hide that from you, fam. I love you way too much to lie to you. <laughs> and at the end, I will definitely pray for you and those connected to you. And I encourage you to keep praying to Abba Father yourself. He's your father for healing from rejection. Okay, on to number two, accusations. Ooh, this is getting good. Okay, accusations. What does this mean? Well, accusations are a charge or claim that someone has done something wrong. Now, when it comes to our discussion today, 
you could be accusing yourself or accusing someone else. So someone who accuses others a lot may also be someone that gets easily offended or have bitterness issues. I love you guys, I promise. Just keep tracking with me, okay? So in both rejection and accusations, there's an inward part, right? A self part, how we think about ourselves, and an outward part, how we think about others. And as a PhD trained behavioral scientist, trust me when I say, your thoughts really do affect how you treat yourself and others. So let's compare and contrast rejection accusations for a moment because there are some similarities. Let's look at the inward part first. When you self-reject, you look down on yourself and believe that others are also looking down on you. When you self-accuse, you attribute self-blame for something. And self-blame can manifest as someone who is constantly apologizing or confessing. Like before every work meeting, they have to just confess how they weren't able to finish the action item from last week. On the flip side, accusations towards others, so pointing outward, can manifest as projection. Like I'm trying to cast the focus away from me onto others so that people don't notice my own mess. <laughs> so whereas rejection keeps you from giving and receiving love, accusations is more focused on attention and unknowingly the person is using it to either cause people to look at them or away from them now consistently hurling accusations is not the same thing as having a complaint or a grievance right but if everyone in your world is unjust if everyone is treating you unfairly if everyone else is a mess but you then you need to consider what might be driving those thoughts Okay, last one, I promise. And after this, we'll talk about setting boundaries and take your listener question. Number three, the last unique thing that affects our minds and our relationships is control. Now, control mostly manifests as an outward action or behavior to keep things in alignment with how you want them to be. <laughs> things need to be done your way, according to your standard or your timing. And what fuels that fam? Well, it could be thoughts of bitterness, anger at life and people, maybe even resentment from past wrongs. And here's the thing, all of those mental thoughts might not even be relevant to the people or, or, or group of people that you're trying to control. Like your staff and direct reports most likely have nothing to do with your horrible marriage or bad parents, but you manipulate current situations because you are able to have control. So you manipulate current situations to maintain controls because of the time when you felt like you had no control. So it's a compensating factor. So that's one way that control can manifest. On the extreme end, control can also manifest as completely taking your hands off the handlebars altogether because you feel like you did not have control in the past, like things just happened to you or people constantly overlooked you. So why try to have any sense of responsibility. Let's just avoid it altogether. So this can manifest as someone being very free-spirited, someone that just keeps bouncing from job to job or relationship to relationship with just a carefree attitude. They wander. They're unsettled. They reject and rebel against responsibility in different areas of their lives. Maybe not every area, but you'll see patterns in their life. I hope this is helping someone. I hope someone is being able to associate relationships or thoughts 
um, with either rejection, accusations, or control. And of course, there's others that we can talk about, but for time's sake, I'm trying to pull up some major ones that are more common. But fam, let me tell you, I'm a living witness uh, that there's hope, right? And so in the next segment, we'll talk about how you can set up mental and relational boundaries. Okay, fam, let me open this segment, our last segment, by reading you a quote from an unknown author that has been sitting with me for days, fam. Here's a quote, you ready? The only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones who are benefiting from you having none. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me get this out of the way. When your motives are pure and you're a reasonable person, boundaries are not manipulative. Could they be used for evil? Yes, of course they could. Just like a car could be used for good good or evil, right? Like you could use it to bring groceries to the widow down the street, or you could use a car to commit crime, right? So boundaries themselves are not evil. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's look at five ways that you can start to set boundaries for your mind and your relationships. And as I said in a previous episode, for best results, always invite the project director into the project. What do I mean by that? Well, don't be that one project manager that thinks you're smarter than the project director. Y'all ever work with one of those? Like they just think they know better. Oh, or even worse, the project coordinator, right? I don't know what your, your tiers are, but the project coordinator under the project manager, they think they know everything, right? <laughs> okay, so don't be that project manager or project coordinator that thinks that they do not need the infinite wisdom of God. When you don't invite God into your healing process, it's like putting band-aids on your heart when you actually need a triple bypass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today, we're going to disproportionately talk about the actual things that you can do. But like I say, keep the project director in the project, okay? Number one is practice thankfulness and forgiveness. Let me tell you all something. When I started practicing thankfulness and forgiveness, my mindset really shifted. Like before then, it was much easier for more negative thoughts and even reoccurring negative thoughts to come in. But when I became intentional about applying thankfulness and forgiveness, things really shifted. And so here's what forgiveness looked like for me. Let's say someone had done me something wrong, right? It's easy for a thought to come in once. And if you don't squash it, then it's easy for it to come back again. And then it becomes a cycle and then it could take root as bitterness. So here's what I learned to do. The first time that a negative thought comes to my mind, I say, "Mm mm-mm. <laughs> Internally to myself, Mm-mm. nope, I'm, I'm not thinking that way. Nope, nope. Instead, I don't actually know the fullness of the story. I don't know everything that happened. I don't know their background. I don't know their story. And you know what, God, what they said or what they did was really wrong, but I'm going to forgive them. And let me make this clear, fam. Forgiveness is not for the person, it's for you. It keeps your heart free. It keeps your mind peaceful. So because I learned that forgiveness was a gift to me, despite what other people were saying or doing, I learned to forgive. I said, God, I leave it to you. I leave it to you. I'm not going to drown my mind in thoughts about them. I leave it to you. And that's that. So I practice thankfulness and I practice thinking about things that are positive, right? And one of the ways 
and I get flack for this sometimes, but one of the ways that I help keep my mind is limiting the amount of media that I consume. Like I, I, I know I'm gonna get all sorts of comments, but let me tell you, I really limit the amount of news, movie, and music. And I'm on social media to be posting and to keep up with you guys, but I'm not on social media a lot. I might send some messages once in a while to like friends and stuff like that, but I'm not on it a lot. And the reason why is because I know, and I think we all know the power of media, but I've chosen to take the extra step to limit it. So let's say you're a news junkie. Okay. You don't have to have every news alert come to your phone because it's just like people sending emails, right? Like what you think is high importance and what I think is high importance are two different things, right? So don't give me the red exclamation mark. Like we have two different understandings of what high importance is, okay? So don't subscribe to all the alerts, right? Maybe you chuck, you know, the the daily top five, or whatever, um, you know, the news outlet uh, has set up for you, but you don't need to be glued to it, right? You'll be okay. The world is still spinning. You'll be okay right? Making sure that the music that you're listening to is calming, is peaceful. I remember working um, with someone a long time ago and uh, she used to say, Bunga, I'm just always upset in this work meeting with this particular boss that we had. I'm just always really upset. And I noticed that she was, you know, always had um, AirPods in. I was like, well, what are you listening to? And she told me, <laughs> She told me the music and I was like, well, yeah, DMX is not going to keep you peaceful. Like, it's just, it's not like, why don't you put on some gospel music? Like, <laughs> like DMX is not going to help you. It's just going to add, DMX is an instigator. It's just going to agitate you more. Right. So those things, right. We, we, ha we have awareness and understanding, but actually putting that into practice. The third thing that I'll say for your mind is to get very clear on your purpose your God-given purpose, and start developing skills and a plan to work towards it. Master those skills, master something. The reason why I bring this up is because when you come in alignment with your God-given purpose, then it's easier to block out other things that would try to hinder you. You have a goal, you have a mission, and you want to go after that mission. And I will say, if, if you know your purpose, or even if you don't, keep listening to this podcast because I'm all about helping other people get clear on their purpose and give me actionable items to move forward. But when you have an understanding of identity and purpose, then it's easier to let go of the, the other messaging that doesn't align. When God says you're this and other people say you're not, you're less than, it's easier. I'm not saying it's super easy all the time, but it's easier. It becomes easier to let the false narrative go. Okay. So on to relational, as you learn to love yourself and really revel in who God says you are, make sure that you're protecting your mind and your emotions by clearly writing a list of how you will treat others and what you expect others to do and how they relate to you. Okay. So if you have a, tr a trusted or wise person in your life, I would definitely recommend that after you develop this list that you show it to them just to make sure there's no extreme requests on there, right? There's no extreme rules, um, but really make sure that they're, they're reviewing it and, and providing that balance, if you will. So if you don't have someone like that in your life, I'd say pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 
He wants to guide you like he's there. He's waiting to interact with you. He absolutely wants to do that and be a part of that in your life. So after you have a good list together, uh, then you need to make sure that you're communicating it to the people that's relevant to, right? And just be prepared that some of them might get angry. Remember the quote that I, I gave a few minutes ago? The people that tend um, to be upset about boundaries are the ones that were benefiting from you having none, right? So just be prepared that some people are not going to understand or they're not going to like it and they might get angry. And just because your list is sound doesn't mean that the people you're communicating it to are sound, right? Some of them might be dysfunctional. So you need to know ahead of time what you're going to do if that person has a temper tantrum. And there's not a one size fit all sort of guidance that I can give. Every relationship is different, the types of relationships, right? So for instance, if this happens in a marriage, I would seek a marriage counselor for guidance or look online for a wise marriage counselor that's been married for at least 20 years. Because trust me, there are marriage counselors out there that have been married four times, and that's not who you want to go to. You need to look to someone who has been through it <laughs> and who's willing to help counsel you, even if it's through resource material online, things that you can go to get, go through together as a couple, right? I would still recommend in-person or online, you know, remote counseling in the future, but certainly starting with asynchronous material is a good place to start, right? So where you can try to work through differences, try to work through understanding in the context of marriage, because that's worth fighting for, right? I would not say that for a lot of other things, but try where you can in marriage. My second thing is accept the fact that you cannot change others. It's not your job to change people. Everyone has free choice to make good and bad decisions. So just make, just focus on making good decisions yourself because honestly, decisions determine destiny. At the end of the day, decisions determine destiny. So be willing to walk away to protect yourself. I'm talking in general here now, right? Be willing to walk away to protect yourself. So I'll give you a quick example of a job that I left after two weeks. Yes, two weeks. My supervisor was apparently notorious for putting employees down. I didn't know, otherwise I wouldn't have taken the job, right? So on day one, she yelled at me and put me down for not knowing something. And when I say like put me down, I mean like put me down. <laughs> I was taken aback. So I went to a trusted colleague about the situation and they indicated that the department was aware of her behavior. Um, okay, well, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is a major red flag. This is happening with other people. So I did two things immediately. I, well, three things actually. I wrote a res resignation letter. I spoke with a prior supervisor to see if I could take more, on more hours with them if I needed to in the next two weeks. And I graciously gave my current supervisor another week and a half just to see. And fam, that was the, the craziest week and a half. I, so I actually scheduled a meeting with her um, to talk about my grievances. I wanted to be, you know, the mature, responsible employee that, you know, just started. <laughs> but I wanted to express my grievances with how she was communicating with me. And in the middle of talking to her very calmly, very rationally, she cut me off. And this is what she asked me. Do you want the job or not? 
fam. I slid very, very, very slowly, not aggressively. I slid that resignation letter across the desk. And I told her that I was resigning effective immediately. Fam, people will do what you tolerate. It was not worth my mental health to stay in an environment that constantly put me down. Now, 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 here's the asterisk there. There's two important things to note about that context. First, I was able to quickly leave because I had been an excellent employee to someone else previously. And so I was able to transition back, right? So always make sure that you're, you're working well. If you work for somebody else, if you're not like an entrepreneur and that's your full-time gig, make sure that you leave on a good note, right? Because you never know if you have to transition back. So had I not had that connection, I probably would have had to stay a little bit longer until I found another suitable job. But thankfully, I had left the other one on a good note. So I had that leverage. Second, this was a work context. This was not a close family situation, right? Like having issues with a marriage or with a spouse or with a child, right? Those are certainly more delicate. So if you have a spouse or a child that's verbally mistreating you, you need to seek professional help. While I've made it clear that I disagree with that behavior, when it comes to the nuclear family, it's worth trying to go through the healing process. All right, fam, let's go through our five tips for how we can set healthy boundaries for our mind relationships. First, practice positive thoughts. Two, be mindful of the media that you consume, both the type of media and the amount of media. Three, get clear on your purpose and start developing skills and plans to work towards it. Understand your identity, understand why you're on this earth so you can move with purpose. Four, create a very clear list of what your boundaries are for any given relationship. Five, accept the fact that you just can't change others. And if someone chooses not to abide by your list, know what your next steps are, right? Decisions determine destiny. All right, fam, we're going to move on to our first listener question. So thank you so much for the person that sent in. It was an anonymous question. And I put it in this episode because it actually aligned really well with relational boundaries. So I'm going to give my take on it, but please put your comments down below. So here's the question verbatim. From a Christian perspective, would you agree or disagree with cutting certain people off? Okay, so what I love about this question is that it speaks to both creating and enforcing boundaries, right? Like there's a reason why you might cut someone off. There would have to be um, something there, right? But there's also a lot of contextual information that I do not know, right? Like what type of relationship are you talking about, right? Um, wh who are the certain people but the fact that you're asking makes me think that whatever has happened is enough for you to consider walking away. So um, I'm going to give a little more of a general answer because it's a general question. So in general, whether Christian or not, we need to understand that not all relationships are going to last and it's okay to part ways, period. Like you, you might part ways because you're going in two different directions and you don't have anything in common anymore. Or you might part ways because something that they are doing or saying is hindering your growth. 
that doesn't mean that we hate the other individual or that there's not possibility of future friendship, right? It just means in this current season, we aren't aligned. The two main things that I would challenge you to think about first is the relationship hindering you or has a high probability of negatively influencing you in your present or future. And if yes, how can you leave with grace and compassion that leaves them to believe that Jesus still loves them, right? Like we don't want to create trauma by how we leave a relationship. And we certainly as a Christian don't want to cause other people to think that our behavior, negative behavior is what Christ looks like, right? So how can you exit with grace and compassion? Well, that's my take, fam. What do you think? Let me know in the comment section, what else would you tell them? Well, friend, if you haven't heard it from anyone else, you're amazing and you were made on purpose for a purpose. And because I care about you, I want to spend a moment praying to God for you. Jehovah, I bless your name. I thank you for those that are listening, God, and I just want to cover them. I want to cover their family. If they have children, Lord, let them be covered, God. I know that every need that they have is something that you care about and you want them to come to you. You want them to share with you. You want to be there in every step of the way as a good father does. You love them. God, for those that have gone through deep rejection, God, I'm asking that even right now as I pray that you would touch their heart. God, that you would start to unwind from their mind trauma, that you would start to unwind rejection. God, Lord, that a healing process would occur even right now because you are a good father. God, I'm asking that you would draw them closer to you through your Holy Spirit, God. That you would woo them to come and spend time with you in praise, in worship, in, in uh, song, in reading the word, God, that they would meditate on you. God, I pray for those that have um, been walking in accusations and control. God, it's there's something that happened that's leading them to, to operate in this way where they think that that is the right response or their only response lord god things have happened to them lord where they they feel like they were in, out of complete control god and 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 they're just trying to make it they're just trying to survive god lord they're just trying to to make it through the day and that's the way that they know how to do it god i ask that you would that you would remove that from their minds and let them know that there's a better way god lord that you've made them on purpose for a purpose to actually bring health and wellness to the world to actually bring peace to the world god so i ask that you'd calm every storm in them god lord and i ask lord that you would bring them to a place all of them god that they would be able to forgive others that have hurt them god lord if there's bitterness there god lord that you would uproot that god and that you would be able to help them walk in healing god in wholeness lord that their minds be focused on you lord may their joy their comfort their peace come from you god because everlasting when it comes for you it's joy that the world cannot shake god and so i pray that for them god i pray that for them god for those that have not experienced self Salvation, Lord, Lord, may they walk in salvation. May they accept you and acknowledge you as, as God and as Lord and as a good father to them, God. I pray that in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into episode four. Next week, we're going to talk about believing for bigger. I'm going to do a bit of story time and of course, share some actual advice. I'm so excited to, to delve into this and to prepare you for 2024. It's going to be good, fam. Please remember to rate and review the podcast if you enjoyed it. It really helps us to reach and encourage more people. Until next week, fam, be blessed.